Welcome to your Daily Cup of Inspiration podcast with Deanna Hobbs, founder of Empowering Everyday Women Ministries, broadcasting live from our headquarters studios in Buffalo, New York. Visit us online at empoweringeverydaywomen.org. Today's inspiration, which is day seven of our ongoing unedited series, is to remind you to tell God how you feel. When you're going through something hard, you don't have to pretend, conceal your emotions, or find the right way to say what's on your heart, God wants you to come to Him with all your questions, struggles, emotions, and vulnerabilities, and let Him hold you and assure you of His amazing plan to lift you up and restore you. Welcome to this your Monday, September 28th, 2020 edition of your Daily Cup of Inspiration podcast. It's Deanna Hobbs here, bringing you the biggest smiles and the warmest greetings ever. I'm excited about sharing the Word of God with you once again for our unedited series that reminds each of us that God has always and will always use vulnerable, weak, and imperfect people to get glory, reveal His grace, mercy, and strength. Thanks for tuning in. I pray you had a wonderful weekend and you are ready to receive a word from God all week long. The ministry received a wonderful praise report from Sarah in Trinidad. Sarah said, Dear Sister Deanna, I had a stroke a year ago that paralyzed my right arm. I still haven't regained function. I've been battling depression, feeling sorry for myself, and thinking God forgot about me. Two days ago, I was looking for encouragement and played your podcast. I heard day one of the unedited series and broke down and couldn't stop crying. I can't believe how on time and on point this teaching series is for me to feel like someone can relate to my pain and struggle and still trust God and press forward has inspired me to do the same. This has renewed my hope. God bless you for the work you're doing. I know it can't be easy, but it is a blessing. Oh, glory, glory, glory to our great God. This got me right in the heart. I'm so glad. God is using this series to restore your hope, Sarah. I'm praying with you and honored to be an instrument to encourage your heart. Can we get a praise break for how God is blessing Sarah? and inspiring testimonies like this remind us that God is transforming lives through this ministry. We are grateful for your support that keeps these broadcasts available online as a free resource to help others grow. If you are being blessed and you believe in our mission to share the gospel, sow a seed of any size at empoweringeverydaywomen.org donate. Thank you for your generosity. Let's begin day seven of our unedited series with a prayer. God, I sense your anointing, and I know you have something special to share with us from your word. Strengthen me, use me, and equip me to deliver this word to the precious person you sent to press play so that they will know they have heard from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Earlier this year, around June, I was in my bedroom and I crumbled to the floor and I cried like a baby. I mean, I cried from the depths of my soul. I was inconsolable. You ever cried so hard you can't breathe? Daily Cup family, I was wrecked in my room. And I honestly don't even want to tell you what happened that brought me to that point. But 
This is the unedited series and I am being transparent, so here goes, all right? A few minutes before I was in the fetal position, sobbing on the floor next to my bed, I had gone downstairs and gotten the vacuum cleaner. I just wanted to vacuum the carpet in my room. I've always liked to clean up, but these days, organizing things in my brain is a little difficult, so cleaning and keeping things neat and tidy is not easy for me. I think very often the chaos on my dresser or in my master bath nowadays mirrors the chaos in my brain, if that makes sense. It can get pretty chaotic up there. But the other day, I did organize the vitamins on my dresser and I was so happy. I was grinning. I felt good. It's the little victories for me. And by the way, before I get back into my story, my husband Kenya started doing some organizing in our bedroom this week. And I so appreciate that because because as I told you, my ability to keep things organized and tidy is pretty much gone for now. But God is able to restore, I'm believing it. But there's a running joke in our house now that if someone walks in the kitchen and sees a bunch of cabinets and drawers open and jars open and nothing put away, they all say, yep, mommy did that. And it's kind of true. But I've been trying to get better at organizing things both in my head and in the house. Brain trauma is a doozy. I'm super grateful for Kenya and the kids and their support, love, and help. So back to the day I was crying. I took the vacuum in my room and I just kind of stood there and looked at it because I couldn't remember where the plug was or how to turn it on. We have a retractable plug on our vacuum cleaner and there's this little button or something you push or see. I can't even remember right now as I'm talking to you about it, but something or other you push so you can extend the plug out. But I looked and looked and looked and couldn't figure it out. I felt caught in a complicated maze. I was lost. And every time I need help, the kids, my husband, they'll help me if I ask them how to do something or to do something for me. No matter how many times I ask, they never make me feel ashamed or like a burden. I had asked them what felt like a million times how to work the vacuum. So that day, I had decided that I was going to do this. I was going to be the big girl that day, so I purposely didn't ask for help. As the minutes passed, the disbelief I had over not being able to figure out something that, for me, used to be routine, so simple, automatic, you know? You could wake me up out of my sleep and I'd turn my vacuum on with one eye open. And now you mean to tell me I can't figure this out? Two minutes turned into ten minutes. I had looked over every inch of the vacuum until the frustration turned into beads of sweat on my forehead first because I sweat when I'm thinking too hard. And then came the tears. They welled up and poured out like a fountain of grief. I really couldn't believe that I couldn't do it. And that is what brought me to my knees. I guess it's like they say, that was the proverbial straw that broke the camel's back. I felt like, look what I've become. I can't even work a vacuum. And I wept bitterly. But in a way, I think I needed to get that out because I don't think it was even about the vacuum, although I was shocked that I couldn't figure it out, but I think it was more so that it finally hit me that day. Acceptance that I was different, something was off, the woman I used to be had been changed, really. And I cried to the Lord and I said, God, I, I don't understand. I don't understand why this is happening to me. I need to be able to function. 
I grieved. I cried until I ran through so much toilet paper. I didn't even have any Kleenex, so I was just rubbing my poor nose red with dry toilet tissue. And it finally got so bad that the toilet tissue wasn't enough. And I went in an old t-shirt drawer and pulled out an old ratty t-shirt and used it to blow and cry. Don't judge me. (laughs) I was in a low place now. But as I was talking to God, you know, I didn't have eloquent words. I didn't censor myself. I couldn't. Just pure grief and pain of loss poured out. I was too emotional and overwhelmed to edit myself and to try to send up an acceptable prayer. I just cried and I told God, I don't know what to do. I I don't understand things anymore. I was broken. I was like, I don't know what you're doing, God. Why is this happening? And you know what? It was the strangest thing. While I was a blubbering mess, laying there grieving, I could still sense God's presence. And right in that moment, I can just still see it and feel it. In my pain and brokenness, I heard my cell phone ding. And I could sense the Holy Spirit ever so gently nudging me to just reach for my phone, which isn't something I would ordinarily do in the middle of an emotional meltdown. But in obedience, I grabbed my phone and a message from my Bible app that I have programmed on my iPhone popped up. My vision was all blurry, so I found a dry spot on my old ratty t-shirt to try and wipe my eyes mid-ugly cry. And then I read the first portion of this verse from Psalm 142 and 3, and it said, When my spirit was overwhelmed within me, you knew my path. And I heard the Holy Spirit, and he said, You don't have to know because I already know. And then my sorrow, my God, turned to joy and my grieving shifted and became worship. God stepped into the middle of my unedited, raw, undignified moment of emotion and reminded me that he was with me and that he heard me. Oh, bless his name. You know, sometimes I I think we feel like prayers need to be a certain way, like we need to approach God with eloquence and pretty speech, but I had nothing. Just raw emotion. And he heard me in my brokenness. There's a passage in Psalm 18 and 6 that just strikes me in a new and different way now every time I read it because it's personal to me. It says, in my distress, I called to the Lord. I cried to my God for help. From his temple, he heard my voice. My cry came before him into his ears. In my unedited, ugly cry moment, my cry came before him into his ears. Daily Cup family, there's nothing like crying before the Lord. And sometimes we keep so many things locked up inside. And we know good and well, our heart is broken. We're sad. We're confused. We're lost. But we'll put on a strong face But God didn't ask you to put on a strong face He wants you to cry out to him And even if we don't say something's wrong God knows anyway So we may as well be honest, right? Psalm 55, 22 says Cast your cares on the Lord And he will sustain you Your issues aren't too big, too small Too complicated, too messy He will meet you where you are I just love the way Psalm 113 and 6 puts it That verse says God humbles himself to behold heaven 
and earth. That verse in the New International Version says he stoops down. We serve a king who will come down to our level and see about us. He'll get down there on the floor next to an old dusty vacuum cleaner just to see about you. But if you keep editing yourself and tucking in that raw emotion, then you'll never experience the father's tender love and gentle caressing hand in those times when you're confused, lost, broken, discouraged, stressed, or feeling alone. He's a very present help. Invite God in. Growing up, Daily Cut family, my father was stern. My dad is a veteran, so he's a military man. No nonsense. He liked for things to be done a certain way. And don't you talk back to him. If daddy said it, that settled it. That was it. And you bet not, not better not, you bet not say nothing back. In my youth, conversations with my father were not dialogues. He passed down decrees and you just carried out his orders. Like it or not, we were not allowed to question daddy. If we did, that could result in a whooping. Not a whipping, not a spanking, not time out, a leather belt kind of whooping. The last whooping I got, I was 18 years old. No, seriously, don't laugh. I was doing the dishes at home and my father didn't like my attitude. I think I sighed too hard and that was taken as a sign of disrespect. I was in the act of washing dishes and he whooped me while I was washing dishes. You can't make this stuff up. You can ask him. I was trying not to drop the plate as he stung my hips. I think I could have rinsed every dish in that sink with my tears. That actually wasn't even the worst whipping I ever got. I think it was less about the physical pain and more about my ego being wounded. I was 18. I thought I was grown. To put things in perspective, I started dating my now husband Kenya at 18 and was still getting whippings. Lord have mercy. But my dad had a rule. As long as you live in my house, you do what I say and you ain't grown. Daddy was just old school like that. I love my daddy. Before the Holy Ghost kept me righteous, daddy's belt was my salvation. He took that scripture whom the father loves he chastens to a whole new level. Daddy loved us a lot. (laughs) But anyway, here's the point. The dynamic of my relationship with my natural father is not the same as the dynamic of the relationship with my heavenly father, right? But if I brought my personal experiences into my relationship with God, I would not have been honest because I would have assumed that honesty, raw emotion, questioning, talking back, so to speak, was not welcome. But I would have been wrong. God didn't whoop me that day when I told him I didn't understand why he allowed me to go through something so traumatic. I can appreciate that my father raised me in the way he saw best and his approach was shaped by the culture he grew up in. But I understand that there is a clear distinction between the culture I grew up in and the culture of the kingdom. It's all right to talk candidly to daddy God. He hears you. He's Abba Father. Martha in the Bible talked candidly to Jesus. She told him exactly how she felt. And her expressions to Jesus were surrounding something that happened to her brother Lazarus. She, her sister Mary, and Lazarus were all friends with Jesus. And Lazarus got really sick. And the two ladies sent word to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. And John 11 and 4 says, but when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus's sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. 
On the surface, it seemed like a bad thing that was happening, but God knew that a good thing would come out of it. But because we're human, all we can see sometimes is just our pain and our suffering. We can't see the greater plan of God. Amen? So verses 5 and 6 says, So although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. And these two verses seem to perfectly represent an incongruent statement. An incongruent statement means when you take one position on something and then a second later you take a contrary position. It doesn't seem to gel that Jesus loved his sick friend Lazarus, who he had the power to heal so much that he didn't respond to a request to help him. It doesn't make sense in the natural, but in the spiritual, Jesus knew that raising Lazarus from the dead would have greater impact than just healing Lazarus from sickness. Jesus knew people would be forced to believe that he was the Messiah, that he was the resurrection and life, once they saw this miracle, it would be undeniable. But the means by which the Savior glorified himself caused pain to those he loved. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming and on his way to Bethany, she went out to meet him and didn't hold back. She didn't edit herself. The first thing she told Jesus is, this is all your fault. She said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. Jesus didn't scold her or say, hey, hey, watch your tone. He tried to explain to her that Lazarus would rise again, but Martha didn't understand what Jesus meant. She was thinking, yeah, one day all the dead in Christ will rise, but she had no idea that Jesus was positioning them to see a miracle. Even Mary, the more docile of the two sisters, also blamed Jesus. She was sobbing when she saw Jesus in verse 32 and fell at his feet and said the same thing. Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. And then Mary and those around her just started wailing and they were inconsolable. This is the perfect scenario to explore intent versus impact. Someone's intent is their purpose, their goal, their objective for taking a specific action. And impact is the effect that the action has on another person. And sometimes a person's intentions don't create the desired impact or effect. This is often true in relationships and it can be a source of miscommunication. Have you ever told someone in the middle of a misunderstanding, I didn't mean it like that. But just because you didn't mean it like that, does it mean they didn't perceive it like that? You can have good intentions and negative impact. In this same context, think about our relationship with Jesus. What he intends is good, but the impact it has on us may feel bad. In our story today, the impact that Jesus' well-intentioned choice to delay his arrival to Bethany had on Mary and Martha was devastating. They were broken. They didn't understand the fact that Jesus' purpose his goal, his objective was good, did not mitigate the suffering of Lazarus's sisters. It did not numb their pain and grief. It did not soften the blow because they could not understand. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. Listen, friend, we can't always know the plan of God fully, but we can always be sure that his intentions are good. When Judah was in bondage to the Babylonians and were suffering, God told them in general, Jeremiah 29 and 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope 
and a future. In other words, my intentions are good, even though at the moment it feels bad. Jesus knows it feels bad. He knows it hurts. You can tell God how you feel. Again, he already knows. Jesus even responded to the grief and sadness of Mary and Martha. He loved them. Verse 35 said Jesus wept. He shed tears too. He was deeply moved. This is a picture of Jesus being touched by the feelings of our infirmities, but Jesus also got upset in this story. I want you to pay attention to something. Verse 33 says, when Jesus saw Mary weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him and he was deeply troubled. The word for angry here is used in classical Greek and describes a horse's snorting. It can also be used to mean indignation and rage. So an anger welled up in Jesus. Was he angry with Mary and Martha and everybody grieving? No, he was angry over the grief and suffering that was caused by death, which he would soon defeat. 1 Corinthians 15, 26 describes death as an enemy. So Jesus was angry that death for the moment appeared to have won and it wounded those he loved. Jesus's whole mission was to prove that he was the Messiah, the resurrection and life. And his enemy death showed up and shattered his friends and made it impossible for them to see past anything but their grief. But Jesus wanted them to believe. Before Jesus even raised Lazarus from the dead, he said to Martha, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? He was trying to give her good news, but she was broken. Hear me, God doesn't mind you being emotional, hurt raw, real, and unedited, as long as you believe. Cry if you must, but know that he has a plan. Curl up on the floor in the fetal position and rock yourself and sob if you must, but know that Jesus, who is the resurrection and the life, has a good plan. At the moment when I was on the floor crying back in June, three months ago, God knew I would be laughing about that experience and using it as an example in a Bible teaching by September. When I was waiting because I didn't know or understand what God was doing at that time. God already saw what I couldn't see. God knew that by his resurrection power that already lives in me, he was going to raise me up off that floor and use one of the lowest points of my life to get glory. Even though, yes, he could have stopped the mini stroke from happening. Yes, he could have blocked the seizures. Yes, he could have prevented brain trauma and the resulting mental health battles. But he knew he could get more glory by demonstrating that despite all that, I'm still here, still teaching the gospel, still defying odds, still doing what I shouldn't be able to do. So he gets all the glory because I know that if it had not been for the Lord who was on my side, there's no way I'd be able to do anything that I'm currently doing. No way you would be sitting listening to the sound of my voice. No way I could articulate words and understand the scriptures. But God has revealed himself powerfully. Powerfully. On my own, I don't have the capacity for any of this. I believe that's why God told me to do the unedited series, because you cannot fully appreciate his power working through me if you don't see my brokenness, if you don't see my scars. I need to expose all that I am not so you can see all that he is. He is my strength. He is my peace. He is my joy. He makes all things possible. I can't do it by myself, but I can do all things through Christ. 
Christ who strengthens me. I might cry sometimes and I won't edit that part out. Even through my tears, my pain and lack of clarity, always and forever I will declare, I believe. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God, the resurrection and the life, the one who heals all manner of diseases, the one who cleanses us of sin, the one who restores and sets free, the one who lifts our head, and the one who gives us beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, according to Isaiah 61 and 3. Right now, you might be listening and you're down on a metaphorical floor, not understanding what God is doing. Nothing is making sense. Don't edit yourself. Tell God how you feel. But whatever you do, keep on believing. And I can tell you what I know. God will lift you up. He just has an amazing way of resurrecting dead things and breathing new life into our situation. Just like he resurrected Lazarus and got glory and caused others to believe, he's going to resurrect you too. Hear me well. If you're going through something today, talk to God about it. Let him comfort you. It's all right to tell him how you feel. To remind you of this truth, I'm stirring Psalm 38 and 9 in the New Living Translation into your cup of inspiration, which says, You know what I long for, Lord. You hear my every sigh. As you drink down the contents of your cup, know that God hears your heart's cry and he cares. Today, right where you are, if you will just be real with God, he'll stoop down and cradle you in his loving arms and make everything all right. Now let's pray. God, I pray for this my sister, this my brother. Thank you for reminding them through this word that they serve an accessible Savior who understands their needs, knows their heart, and is attentive to their cries. Help them to be even more vulnerable in your presence and throw all their cares upon you so you can attend to their needs and comfort them. I thank you that your plans for their life are good, and as they believe you, your prevailing purpose in their life will unfold, and we glorify you for resurrecting the dead things in their circumstances, restoring them and breathing new life into them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Your daily cup of inspiration has been brought to you by Empowering Everyday Women Ministries, where we fuel your faith every day. For more information, log on to yourdailycupofinspiration.com.